Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. How's it going? Thank you so much for downloading the Future of Agriculture podcast. If this is your first episode, my name is Tim Hamrich. I am an agribusiness recruiter, and it is my pleasure to bring you every week these stories of the people, ideas, and companies shaping the future of agriculture and agribusiness. Well, this episode is going to be a little bit different uh, because there is not a guest. It's just me. So before you stop listening... Uh, I think you're still going to get quite a bit out of it because I'm going to focus in this episode on the five biggest takeaways that I've had over doing the last 60 episodes. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that we are 60 episodes in to this podcast. It, it, it really has flown by for as cliche as that sounds. Uh, but I thought this would be a good point to just kind of stop and, and take stock of the learning that has take, taken place on my part as a result of doing these first 60 episodes and what might be more interesting to you is how these five big things that I've learned will impact where the podcast goes from here. For those of you who are listeners consistently, subscribers who listen to the show week in, week out, first of all, thank you uh, so much. I, I'm still blown away by the number of people who are willing to, uh, in this world of nonstop distraction and nonstop information, willing to take your time 30 to 40 minutes every single week uh, to listen to this show. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not delusional. I know the reason you listen is for the guests and the value the guests bring, but I'm still humbled and honored and grateful that you choose to listen to the show week in and week out. So first of all, thank you. Uh, the show has been a fantastic opportunity for me to connect with people that I probably would have never had access to. Uh, had I not had a podcast to bring them on and, and, and talk to them with and share their story through. Uh, also, it's, it's just been a good chance for me to to ask the questions that interest me uh, that I don't really have a, a good motivation to ask. You know, if you just go up and start asking people about their business, they may think, well, you know, why do you want to know? But the cool thing about having a podcast is is I have a natural reason. Well, uh, I want you to I want to know your story because I want to share it on my podcast. And I think that's a powerful thing thing. Uh, that would be a meaningless thing, though, if I did not have people listening to the show. So thank you. Uh, that has been the most rewarding part about this is to see the audience growth and to to really um, get to share these stories with pride of, of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of this great industry. So without further ado, here are the five big takeaways that I've had in the first 60 episodes of doing the Future of Agriculture podcast. Probably these aren't going to shock you. Uh, they are consistent themes that have come up time and time again. But I will tell you, they are not themes that I set out to explore. They have been the natural result of where the journey has taken us as we've gone through this. So really been a lot of fun. Number one, takeaway. 
this show has been very powerful and I continue to gravitate towards stories of ag tech and ag entrepreneurship. Uh, this is going to be pretty obvious. You've seen episodes like uh, Margie Geiler Alanis from Farm Her. Uh, she was in episode 49, a brand that she started from scratch as a former insurance agent um, and has grown to now a TV show on RFD TV. Powerful story in episode 49. Uh, you got Curtis Livesey, who I probably need to bring back on the show very, very soon uh, with Dynamite Ag. He has his tribe of misfit farmers, he calls them. In episode 46, he talks about how that has led him to this journey to explore the science behind agronomy to help farmers willing to take a non-traditional approach to growing better, more productive crops and how that has led him into a new sort of breakout ag industry, which is cannabis and the work he's doing with cannabis growers in the state of Washington. So check that out. That's episode 46. 46. Uh, and also, uh, I'll reach back out to Dr. Livesey because we need to get him on here. He's got uh, some really, really great energy and new ideas. And he's just a lot of fun to talk to you uh, on the show. Dave Myers from Bird Dog. We had Dave on in episode 39. Uh, Bird Dog, it's at fetchbirddog.com, is a platform so that uh, people who want to rent farm ground or people who own farm ground and want to find good, long-term, sustainable renters can do so. Uh, he had a really great story about uh, how he still keeps his day job, but he but he operates a startup on his spare time. So, uh, great episode with Dave Myers. Uh, Dr. Pam Marone, who's been a hero of mine for a long time, was on uh, the show episode 19 talking about uh, her journey from uh, her first startup that she actually exited and uh, started Marone Bio Innovations uh, that has now gone public. So, it was really, really cool to get the perspective of somebody who... Uh, started off uh, kind of from scratch as scientist and entomologist uh, and they create um, biologically based biologicals to to fight pests and disease and think of herbicides as well and I know they do fungicides so anyway really really cool episode that's episode 19 with Dr. Pam Marone uh, she's just an inspiring lady um, I, I could listen to that episode every week I think um, and then Jared Flynn who started bulkloads.com uh, bulkloads.com that connects shippers and uh, truckers that want to move bulk deliveries around the country. I've used him as a customer, so I can personally, personally vouch for his service, and he's just a fantastic guy. An example of how you can be successful as an entrepreneur in the industry of agriculture, um, even on some of those kind of fringe areas of agriculture like trucking and logistics and just how important those are. Really enjoyed that episode 33 with Jared Flynn of bulkloads.com. So what you can expect out of this and, and the lessons that I've learned from these entrepreneurs is you can expect more ag tech and more ag entrepreneurs on this show in the next 60 episodes. Uh, I just got back from Mixing Bull Hub's food IT event uh, in the Bay Area of California where I got to meet some folks that I think will be uh future guests on the show uh, coming up forward. But actually a big takeaway from that event and what you'll notice on this show is the importance of not just bringing one perspective on an episode. What I'd like to do is add another dimension to some of these ag tech and ag entrepreneurship episodes in the future where we bring on not only the entrepreneur, but one of their customers, specifically if they're selling to a farmer or rancher. I would like to bring on an ag tech entrepreneur and one of their farmer or rancher customers to get both sides of how the technology is working, where it should go from here, what's good and bad about it, and, and kind of get that extra dimension. 
I actually have already one of these episodes recorded and you'll hear it next week on this show. So stay tuned. I, I think that's really going to be exciting uh, to add to that. I also hope to bring on um, ventures that are in early, early stages that maybe don't have real customers yet so they can pitch their idea to potential farmer customers just to get their feedback of what they think about the idea. If they've got some crazy idea of, hey, we're going to um, we're going to fly drones around to vaccinate your cattle. What do you think? And just get the farmer's perspective. I think that's going to be both entertaining, uh, insightful for the entrepreneur we bring on and for all of us listening uh, to hear about things, not only from the entrepreneur's perspective, which being one myself, I can tell you, we get pretty pie in the sky. We have big hopes, big dreams, big aspirations, which that's how that's how things get done. We need that. But we also need the very practical user experience and user feedback saying, well, this is why I would never use something like that. Uh, or this is why I think this is a great idea. I, I can't wait to bring that dynamic to you on future episodes. I think you're really going to love that. Also hope to do a series on ag investment. It's been something that's been requested to me. Um, oddly, I have a, my most popular Quora post is about ag investment that I answered where I highlighted some people that were doing some ag investment work on Quora.com. It's kind of like a question and answer website. Um, but I, as a follow-up to that, I, I still have people, and I, I wrote it um, two years ago maybe, I still have people emailing me and asking me about that. So anyway, we're, we're going to bring some episodes like that onto the podcast, maybe a series kind of like we did with Ag Education, uh, so that we can talk about the private equity, the venture capital, uh, the angel investors, and the various people that are doing maybe crowdfunding uh, in agriculture. There's, there's a lot of players uh, in those spaces right now, and I think um, some interesting stories for the Future of Agriculture podcast. So that's number one. Uh, number one is we're going to continue to gravitate towards ag tech, ag entrepreneurship type stories. I uh, hope you're along for that ride. Number two is a big aha moment that you got to witness if you heard my interviews recently, uh, both with Mr. Stephen Ritz in episode 51, who has the Green Bronx Machine, which is a full school educational program. Uh, focused on agriculture and growing food. And uh, and then also with Dr. Daniel Foster that we made into two episodes lately on episode 58 and 59. Huge aha moment for me. I'd been involved in ag education for as long as, literally as long as I can remember. And the aha moment was, wait a minute, we're, we're not just doing this ag education thing because the cliche of, oh, well, you need to know where your foods comes from because my skeptical brain says, why? I mean, you know, if, if I know uh, I need to do my service, I pay my money and I get my food, they do their service, I do mine. It's any sort of contractual agreement. We kind of hold up our ends of the bargain. Okay, so what? It's just like every other service out there that I need to survive. Um, you know, water, you know, for example, would be a great, a great example. Anyway, that's not the reason why ag education is important. And I don't know why it took me so long to realize this. But when Dr. Daniel Foster said that where your food comes from... Ag literacy, when you know where your food comes from, uh, it creates this context to learn very, very important concepts that you'll that that we want all of our kids in the education system learn science, technology, engineering, math, otherwise known as the STEM subjects. People can relate to their food. So everybody eats. That's something we all have in common. All right, let's start there. We can kind of reverse engineer, uh, to use a STEM term, we can reverse engineer that process of where the food comes from to learn about these important subjects. Everything from the chemistry and the biology of, of growing the crop. 
crops to the uh, the engineering of how the systems work that grow, produce, and uh, distribute the food that we eat. We can learn all of these really, really technical subjects in the context that we understand. Okay, let's start here. We know this food got to my plate. How did it get here? Where did it come from? How was it grown? How was it processed? Uh, and we can learn those important science concepts that, that, that we need the future leaders of, of uh, our world to know. Secondly, as, as, as Mr. Ritz put it, when we connect someone to their food, and especially if we connect them to a local food supply, we connect them directly to their community. They feel connected to something larger than themselves. When they feed another person, they have empathy for that person. They feel what it feels like to nurture something or someone for the first time when they grow their own food. And I, I think that's just so powerful, that connection to science, technology, engineering, math, and to community, to health, to hope, uh, to nurturing. I, I just, in my mind was blown uh, about that's what ag education is all about. And uh, don't know why it took me so long. Uh, hopefully for you, that's like a duh moment. But for me, it was a huge aha. And I, I really wanted to uh, share that with you. I, I would like to continue that with another series, only this time on cooperative extension. So many of you may not know, but not all countries are blessed to have cooperative extension as we do here. We have people that uh, are paid in order to test new ways of, of doing things and to disseminate information on the best ways to do things when it comes to growing, producing food, distributing food, economics, that sort of thing. So there's some really, really smart people out there doing some fantastic research on agriculture and agribusiness. And I would like to put some of those stories in a very, very practical context uh, for all of us to kind of continue this ag education um, series, because my hope is you'll hear something on this show that will spark an interest in you to dive deeper into the more technical aspects, to get more connected to your community, to your food, uh, into the sort of more technical uh, parts of, of how agriculture sort of works. So takeaway number one, all about Ag tech and entrepreneurship takeaway number two, that ag education is the best STEM delivery mechanism and the best way to connect someone directly to their health and their community and to feel what it feels like to nurture something. I mean, this industry, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but this is such a fantastic industry for these reasons. I'm, I'm kind of just getting really, really excited for the next 60 episodes as I go through these. So number three now, sorry. If I'm rambling, I apologize. I don't usually do this solo. As you know, It uh, I did episode one, I think, solo just to introduce you to what this show would be. And now this is the second one I'm doing. So bear with me here. Uh, takeaway three from my first 60 episodes of the Future of Agriculture podcast is this. Um, ag is going to be, agriculture really has to be the solution to big, big problems in the world. I'm talking problems in terms of environmental impact, the quote unquote uh, blanket term we use, sustainability, uh, social issues, including hunger. The big issues we face right now agriculture in one form or another is going to have to step up as a solution. Some examples of how this is already happening and we can take uh, climate change as an example. Now, I don't want to debate the merits of the climate change uh, argument. I really find that pointless. What I do find value in is the discussion of how we can 
create systems that are scientifically proven to sequester carbon. For example, nobody can argue that sequestering carbon is a bad thing, right? Well, Russ Concert talked a lot about that in episode 44, where he talked about uh, his company, which is Standard Soil. They're looking at how uh, alternative multi-paddock grazing in cattle, so a, a, an intensive grazing technique, can actually uh, not only benefit the pasture land, uh, but the soil in it. And, and they can prove through research that it can sequester um, more carbon than, than other practices, uh, even other grazing practices. So I think that's really, really interesting. Then you look at episodes like number 53, where we had Michaela Sullivan, young millennial entrepreneur uh, with other young millennial entrepreneurs on her team that started Kinosol, which is a, a solar-based food dehydrator. They're trying to fight food waste, which is a massive problem, not only a production problem, we need to produce you know 30 to 40% more food to cover all of the, the calories that are just end up going wasted in a landfill or don't even make it that far. Um, but they created a solar dehydrator that they plan to distribute through NGOs in developing countries um, in order to try to fight food waste there. So important social problem of hunger, important environmental problem of food waste. Speaking of food waste, Jonathan Bloom, one of the really authorities on the food waste topic. Uh, he's written books. He's uh, uh, helped to produce a documentary on um, on food waste. He has a blog called Wasted Food. He was on episode 40 to talk about the problem and the solutions that are and are not working. Uh, some more agriculturally based examples. Tania Pina of Renewable was on episode 34. She has a, uh, a company in New York City that repurposes food waste into um, a fertilizer for hydroponically grown plants. And then uh, also on in the hydroponic side and the urban vertical farming side, uh, Dr. Nate Story, who has Bright Agritech in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. He was on episode 26. Really, really uh, fascinating story and how they are not only selling equipment to grow vertically, but they're actually creating programs to get people started in farming that have zero background in it. So if you go to Upstart Farmer University, you can learn about how they are providing digital resources so that people who have zero ag background can start farming. Now, it's, it's you know, primarily vertical farming, indoor farming, urban farming. Who cares? This is getting people in agriculture to be a part of the solution instead of just being part of the problem. And I think that's what the story of agriculture is going to be. If you ask my opinion, uh, you know, the next Nobel Peace Prize winner uh, that's an agriculturist is going to be in the area, some area of sustainability. Um, I think our last one was in productivity, which is great. You know, everything helps in terms of sustainability, but I think it's going to be something in terms of uh, these concepts of building healthier soils, of uh, finding out ways that we can cut the food waste problem. I think it's going to be in some area of this sort of uh, regeneration and sustainability. So I, th I think it's something we, we need to continue to take a look at on this podcast. So you can definitely expect more episodes in the future about people who are coming up with systems that work. Uh, I, I, I'm not here just to highlight good causes, although good causes are certainly something that should be highlighted. I want to social enterprise systems that are can can sustain themselves not only financially but also contribute to the greater good as well so uh stay tuned for those i, I think that that will continue to be a part of, of this show as well that's number three number four one big takeaway that i've had and you've seen this time and time again and i could highlight probably 20 episodes that that have some element of this and i think i knew this intuitively but it really became clear as i started to understand the stories agriculture is unique 
compared to most other industries that I know. Of course, I, I haven't worked in other industries, but uh, I can I can draw this assumption, I think, safely. Agriculture is generational. Whenever we have any sort of story about agriculture, especially production agriculture, there's always this element of, oh, I was inspired to be in agriculture from my my dad or my grandpa or, you know, even if they didn't come from a, a full farm. Well, I used to cook with my mom and she would cook with things that she got from the garden. There just always seems to be this generational aspect to, to every story, which I just think is really, really cool about ag. And I, I want to continue continue to bring those stories forward as well in the next 60 episodes of this podcast. So if, if you want to go back and listen to some uh, great examples, if you want to go back to uh, a farm that's been in a family since the 1700s, go back to episode 56 with Coley Jones Drinkwater, um, Richland uh, Farms Dairy in Virginia, how they are taking a very, very, very old uh, family farm and now making it very, very modern by going directly to the consumer through actually building a creamery and, and straight to the consumer where they can sell their product of their dairy directly to the consumer in the, in the form of ice cream. You go back to Jake Wanger, who talked about his dad and his brothers and how they have kind of uh, worked out their plan for succession from one generation to another. He's a he's a uh, uh, nut farmer, walnuts and almonds or almonds, as he might say, in California. That's in episode 17 with Jake Wanger. Really interesting. Also got a chance to talk to Sarah Hollenbeck, uh, who just had a baby. Congratulations, Sarah, on episode 47 of the Hollenbeck Ranch up in Molt, Montana. Uh, she is one of the most entertaining uh, people that I, I've had on the podcast. I think she's just a lot of fun to talk to and um, you could tell she just loves what what uh, the lifestyle they live and what they do up in Montana. And then this issue came up again with Sam Goldberg, who's from New York City, not from ag at all. But that's what struck him about the agriculture community, that when there's a problem, in his case, he's highlighting the problem of uh, grain bin safety and grain bin entrapment in the form of a feature film that they're creating. Uh, he mentioned to me on his interview that what struck him about agriculture is this generational aspect that uh, both, you know, multiple generations. In some cases, three or four generations working on farm um, at a time. I, I don't know. Four generations might be much, but three for sure working on a farm at the same time in, in that uh, aspect of community. That's always a part of, of the agriculture story. So it's hard not to have a conversation without some sort of element of this of this generations. And uh, I think that's cool. I think we should celebrate that uniqueness to our industry. And it carries through to agribusiness. You know, one reason that I'm confident that even with technology, there will be a need for agribusiness recruiters like myself is there's a shrinking population of quote unquote farm kids, right? Every agribusiness wants that uh, farm kid who decided he didn't want to go back to the farm, but he's really smart and wants to put his talents to good use by working for agribusiness. Well, uh, with 1% of the population being farmers, that means only 1% of the population is having those farm kids, right? So there's fewer and fewer of them, uh, which makes my job a little bit more challenging to find what the client wants. But I, th I just think that's something that we should continue to to acknowledge and celebrate is this generational aspect to what we do, even in agribusiness, not just in farming. So recap the top four here. Uh, this show is going to continue to be about ag tech and on, uh, ag entrepreneurship. That's number one. Number two, uh, agriculture is the best STEM delivery tool and way to connect people to their community and to what it feels like to nurture and be a part of something. Uh, number three, ag can be the solution to a lot of problems, not just feeding the world, but also cutting down on problems such as uh, food waste, environmental concerns, uh, climate change, um, social issues such as uh, hunger and poverty. 
etc. Uh, and four, agriculture is generational, and we're going to continue to highlight those generational stories that take place in this industry, both in farming, production, agriculture, uh, and really the people who work in agribusiness. I would venture to say that people who work in agribusiness have a stronger connection, a stronger passion, or um, just kind of commitment to the industry than someone who works in you know, a lot of other sort of industrial type industries. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just going off too far, um, going out of the research, as they say, and into the weeds. But I, I really believe that. And I think it's because a lot of us come from agriculture in some form or another or can at least think back to that person in our family tree that first got us interested in, in agriculture, where food comes from and how farming works. Number five is a little different. It's a little less ag related, but it's it's just as important and it's been a big aha for me. Uh, number five is about empathy. This show from day one has wanted to explore agriculture from as many different lenses as we can. And that includes non-traditional lenses. And I know there's been shows where there's been people who listen and go, why in the world is he highlighting that? Whatever it might be, because it doesn't fit your world view. And I understand that. I get that. I hope that there are times where you feel a little bit challenged in your worldview that we in ag maybe should only talk about things in this way or that way or should only highlight these type of people. But the truth is, uh, agriculture should be looked at from as many different lenses as possible. That's where we're going to get the ideas. That's where we're going to bring in the diversity of opinions, of backgrounds to get the solutions that we need to move this industry forward. Not just the way it's always been done, but the way it should be done to meet today's concerns and the concerns of tomorrow. So number five is that empathy is important. Empathy also can be learned. We can practice empathy and get better at it. We can get better at looking at things from someone else's lens. And I hope that this show has challenged you in some way in the last 60 episodes to do that and will continue to. Whether that is, uh, you know, early on, episode two was with Cameron Mulberg, who manufactures organic feed. And you may say, well, I don't believe in organic. It's no better than conventional. Okay, well, let's listen to his story, to his business, to how he views the world. Uh, And I mean, I know I have plenty of people here who love organic agriculture and I have plenty of people here who really don't care one way or the other. But I I think it's important to look at those lenses. Um, You know, we had Robert Nathan Allen on episode 22 about eating bugs, entomophagy, which is actually growing insects so that we can eat them as an alternative protein source. Really, really interesting view at how someone else sees the world. Uh, They see insects uh, per pound of protein produced as having a far lesser impact in terms of water, land area, etc., and the benefits that can come with that. So super interesting there. Temple Grandin on episode 31. You know, Temple Grandin uh, is is a fantastic lesson uh, in empathy. And obviously, she's been through her own challenges with autism, etc. But, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that until 1999, she'd been in the business for, I think, almost 30 years, right? In 1999 was when she got kind of her big break, uh, started working with the fast food chains and started really kind of revolutionizing the system. Um, It's just amazing that it took that long for the industry to recognize her work. She didn't just start working on that. Uh, And so I I think that's a lesson in, hey, let's start listening to these ideas that may seem a little bit fringe earlier on, and maybe we can save ourselves decades uh, of struggle. And then just recently, Marcus Holland with the Cultivating Change Foundation, episode 
seven. Uh, they are trying to highlight and celebrate diversity, uh, specifically in the LGBT community uh, in agriculture. Uh, and again, that may be something that you've never been exposed to or not know where it kind of fits in your worldview. But I think it's important to look at these, you know, what we might call non-traditional perspectives so that we can welcome everyone into the conversation because uh, all perspectives have value and even more so there might be a lot of value in you starting to question what you think you uh, view how you view the world and, and I think that's going to be beneficial for, for I know it's been beneficial for my own improvement I hope it's beneficial for yours too so in the next 60 episodes I hope we can all practice some empathy together and look at things from as many different lenses as possible uh, for you know for your sake for your career uh, for, for your uh, peace your own sanity but also for moving this industry forward too I don't like to get too into the altruistic we represent the industry and we're doing this all for the industry no we're all doing it for, for our own self-interest. This podcast was originally created as a marketing tool for my recruitment business, but I will say it's grown into a lot more than that as I've heard these stories and been able to share them with you. Um, but you can expect a lot more, more stories like that that might provide agriculture viewed through a different lens than maybe, than maybe you're used to. If any of the episodes that I mentioned, you'd like to go check them out, you can do so really easily. Just go to either www.futureofag.com. They're all there. Or if you want to find it specifically just that episode, you can go to aggrad.com forward slash episode and then the number. So if you'd like to go hear uh, Dr. Nate's story, for example, go to aggrad.com forward slash episode 26. That's the number 26. And you can do that there. So anyway, these five things, that's going to what's that's going to be what informs uh, the episodes going forward. I'm really excited about this new format related to ag tech and ag entrepreneurship, where we're going to bring on both a company and a farmer or rancher uh, customer and get to view it from both lenses. Um, stay tuned for next week for the first episode there. Also. Uh, we're going to continue with these series. I mentioned ag investment. I mentioned cooperative extension. If you have an idea for a series or a guest or anything, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Tim Hamrich. If you haven't yet, please just take a few seconds. Go to iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. Got a great one recently from D. Kushmer. Uh, the title of this review says informative and timely. I recently subscribed to the future of agriculture with host Tim Hamrich. This podcast is both informative and timely and reaching our youth to consider a career in agriculture is a worthy cause. I agree. D. Kushmer, thank you so much uh, for reading review and everybody listening. 60 episodes. I can't believe it. Uh, here's to 60 more. Uh, thanks for being along with the journey. I really want you to be a part of the next 60 episodes. So find me on Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect. Let's chat. And let's keep this conversation moving forward. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode that I think you're really going to love. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit aggrad.com, that's A-G-G-R-A-D.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.